Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and today I have with me Kelly Charles Collins, a total rock star. I probably call everybody a total rock star, but this time I super, super, (laughs) I'm super serious about this lady being a rock star. Kelly, welcome to the show. Oh, Bridget, thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. I love it. And I love uh, Own the Microphone. Yes, yes. You know, I believe in owning anything, even if it's some raggedy dress you bought from Target. Own that. Step Own all of it. Own, own, own the pen in your hand, own the post-it note on the wall, own it. Yes. There's just confidence that just oozes all over the place. Now, speaking of confidence, it mm-hmm. takes quite a bit of it to get up there and own the microphone. Now, have you always said, that's what I'm going to do? I am going to be a professional speaker, like as a child. Is that what you, is that what you <laughs> dreamed of? How did you get into this world of owning the microphone, Kelly? So Bridget, okay, listen, you know, there's so many people that when they're kids, they're like, oh, I want to be a lawyer and I want to be a doctor and I want to be all this. Okay. Not in my, not mine. I was born in Jamaica and when I was a little girl, I wanted to be one of two things, a bank lady or a truck driver. What? Yeah. I have no idea where the truck driver came from because there was nobody in my family who was a truck driver. Now, the bank lady, I knew where that came from, right? So in Jamaica, you know, and in the Caribbean, you'll see all the time where people are always in uniforms, right? And we went to school, we wore uniforms. And the women in the bank were always dressed and there was just something about them, right? The stature of the women who were in the bank. So I know where that comes from. I have no idea where the truck driver came from. I never became a truck driver. Um, I did become a bank lady. I did end up working in a trust company at one point. But, you know, transitioning to being a professional speaker, in terms of that being my title, that just happened within, like, in 2020. Um, For 25 years, I practiced law, so I spoke every day professionally, but if you asked me what my title was at that time, it would be that I was a lawyer. And it's interesting because when I was in college, I used to be so afraid, like I I had my speech class, and I would be so afraid when it was time, you know, it's your time to do the speech, and I'd be like, no, 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 just go to the other person, just go to them. And I never wanted to speak. And it wasn't that I was a, afraid of my voice. And I don't know what I was really afraid of. I mean, I went to, to college when I was 16, so I was young. Um, but I just did not like it. And the very first time um, that I had a trial, <laughs> I was so scared. And I was sitting... Um, I was sitting downstairs and it was time the judge was like, you know, we're going to pick the jury. My knees were knocking underneath the table. But my mom also worked in the courthouse and she was upstairs and I was like, please go get my mom. I was telling them, please go get my mom. Please go get my mom. And so she came downstairs and she sat there. And once she sat there, like I was calm and I could, you know, then I started um, trying the case. And ever since then, it's just been like, okay, whatever, whoever, wherever, however, doesn't matter how many people, 
Um, but that's speaking in public. I'm an ambivert in that I can speak to thousands and thousands of people, put me in a networking situation and girl, I'm looking for the exit. Same here, same here. And people do not get it. I have a girlfriend who had this little intimate, well, 20, 30 people, maybe intimate gathering to celebrate her earning her PhD. And she and I one-on-one would hang out on weekends all the time, or maybe with a couple of other sorority sisters, hang out all the time, laugh, jokes, dinner, lunch, what have you. But when I was put in that situation with about 20 or 30 other people, same here. It's like, uh, yeah. when, is, when do I get out of here? And yes. she's so confused yeah. because like you, getting on a stage, tons of eyes staring at me, Don't no care. problem. But how are you able to do that? Because that is very confusing for mm-hmm. how are you able to be totally comfortable, totally in your element when you've got all these pairs of eyes from strangers staring at you, waiting for you to deliver? You know, I think um, always being prepared, right? Mm -hmm. So as a lawyer, one of the things I started um, practicing law as a public defender. And so we were always in court and you always had to be prepared. You always had to be able to pivot. You always, you were always on show, right? Um, And so the best skills that I learned, I learned as a public defender, my speaking skills, my ability to, you know, question people for hours without having written down a question, the ability to, you know, do a closing statement or an opening argument on the drop of a dime. I I learned all of those things. And so I just, when I step into basically into a courtroom or I step on stage or now virtually, I know my stuff right? I know what I'm talking about. And so that does not impact me, right? So whether you're looking at me, not looking at me on your phone, doing whatever, I'm still going to be up there and I'm going to be able to perform. I think the difference is like when you go into a networking situation, the thing that I don't like about traditional networking is that I'm not, I am not a small talker, right? And so because I don't like small talk and I don't like the pretense, right? So we go to these networking events. We all know when we get to the networking event, the reason I'm there is because I'm trying to find people who in some way I can help, they can help me. But no, you want me to play business card bingo. You want me to talk about your dog, your cat, your vacation, your this. And then six months from now, you say, oh, okay, now that we've done all this, now can I talk to you about my business? Now can we talk to each other about how we can have a mutually beneficial relationship? And I can't stand it. And so I think, and I am, what you see is what you get. And so when I go into those spaces, it makes me feel that I have to be somebody else. I have to be a fake person. And that's my personal opinion, right? It makes me feel that way. And so I cannot... Um, I just don't perform well in those situations. Whereas when I'm on stage, when I'm in a courtroom, I am me, right? You're going to get all of me because I'm going to stand unapologetically in my power. I'm here. You're going to pay attention to me. It's a, I feel a different way when I go into those rooms. And so it is something that I just don't enjoy. And I try to get out of there. (laughs) You make me think about something I was talking to you about before we hit record. And it was that 4 a.m. podcast that I did 
Mm-hmm. And it's all going to make sense in a second. So a lady in Australia and I, we connected last week. She had a great interview. You'll hear her on another episode. But she said, hey, I've got a podcast too. I want you to be on it. No problem. But because she's in Australia and I am in Arizona, we had some time zone challenges. I am normally up early in the morning, not necessarily on a podcast, but I am up at four o'clock, five o'clock, just kind of peeling around and doing some things uh, for work or business or family, what have you. And you said something. You said that you're not able to be yourself in those networking spaces. It's just not you. But when it comes to the stage, that is you. When I finished Mm -hmm. with that podcast interview, and it was very interesting, we had a great time. I said to myself, that is not me. (laughs) I will not do that again at 4 a.m. I am up. (laughs) I am ready. But I will not do it again. So for listeners, you know where you're most comfortable. You know where you are in your zone. You know when you are able to tap into your genius. Is it in an intimate setting? Is it a large crowd? Try all of them. Is it virtually? And then you know in your head what works best for you. I know for me, and this is why we did the podcast at 4 a.m. my time, as opposed to early in the morning for her because I told her mornings work best for me. A presentation in the late afternoon, three, four, 5 p.m., that doesn't work well for me. And when I'm able to control that, Kelly, I try to keep my presentations yeah. before lunch or immediately after lunch because four, five, six in the evening, I'm, I'm toast. So <laughs> listeners, I, I mean, I'm done. I know it sounds yeah. ridiculous, but I've always been like that. I have always been like that where I go to bed early and get up early. But for the listeners, you know where you're most comfortable. You know where you are at your best. You know when you're able to give a peak optimal performance. And again, figure it out. Is it small groups? Is it large groups? Is it sitting down, having an intimate conversation? Is it standing up with a slide deck? Is it you figure it out and you aim to always put yourself in that position so that you are able to shine? Because when you're able to shine, when you know you're able to rock it out, then your audience is going to feel that and experience that. Yeah, that's absolutely true, I think. And I think sometimes we... When we get offered opportunities, we think that we have to bend, right, to the whim of everybody else and do it, you know, on their time, on their space. And sometimes you do, right? So I'm not saying don't compromise or negotiate, but exactly what you're saying that you know when you are at your prime, you know when you are going to be able to operate at your full potential. And so whoever is asking you, you know, whether it's to be on a podcast or to to do a presentation or a training, they should want you to be, right, your best. And so, you know, um, I was listening to something yesterday and the woman said that when she, um, when people are talking to her and trying to schedule stuff or do something, and she said, what she says to them is, the way I work is, mm-hmm. Right. And so what that means is this is how I do things. This is how we're going to do things, <laughs> right? And if it doesn't work, because for me, I'm, I, am, I am very protective of my, my, my credibility, of my integrity. You know, one of my favorite sayings is um, self-preservation, right? I always talk about self-preservation as the key. And so if, if 
what you're going to do is to put me in a situation where I am not showing up in my best light, then you don't have my best interests at heart. And so therefore I can't allow you to do that, right? Because you're using me to do something that is not going to benefit me in the end. And so I think it's, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Kelly, go ahead. I was going to say, so I just think it's really important for us to understand what our boundaries are around being, you know, a professional, being a person, um, you know, and not allowing people to kind of just destroy those boundaries. And if you want to bend them, if you want to move and you want to do whatever, then that's fine. But always keeping in mind that, you know, what is, what, what does that look like for you, right? When it's out on the internet, when, you know, there are 500 eyes looking at you and people are writing comments about you on the internet, right? Oh, she sounded like she was sleepy because, you you know, you don't like doing stuff at five o'clock, right? (laughs) I have to go, I have to do a training um, at 10 o'clock at night (laughs) in the next couple of weeks. I'm like, ooh, that's going to be something, but I'm a night owl, right? So, you know, that's okay. I'm a night owl. So I think you just have to know where you, um, where you best, where you show up best and do that. And you were saying if the person with whom you're working for this event is not flexible, is not willing to work with you so that you are able to shine and is not, you know, willing to let you have a morning slot if you request it, that they're not they don't have your best interest at heart. They don't have the audience's best interest right. at heart either. If you are telling them, this is when I am at my best, because you would think that this, this organizer is going to want to give its audience, his or her audience, the absolute best. Yes. So if your best is at 10 a.m. and he or she is not willing to make that work, well, it's not even about you, just about you, but they're not even caring about the audience getting an Absolutely. optimal experience. So uh, even put even couch it that way. I want to be able to give your audience 100%. That's right. A uh, great time. And this is how I'm able to do it. This yeah. is how I work. Okay. Now, speaking of work and how you work, what are some topics you speak on Kelly? How do you, how do you like the stage on fire? So the topics that I speak on are unconscious bias, bystander intervention, and courageous conversation. Sometimes I do workplace investigations. That was my, the first thing that I wrote a book on, um, because as an employment lawyer, that's what I I did for over 20 something years. But now transitioning from being a full-time lawyer to a professional speaker, I focus on those three topics, bias, bystander intervention, which is what my TED talk my TEDx was on, and then Courageous Conversations, which is what my latest book is about. Which is your favorite? I know, right? They're probably equally. Not, so I, yeah, I think they're, I think they're equally because the whole thing is that they're all rooted in accountability, mm. right? And I, for me, that's something that's very, very big is about accountability and humanity. And so one of the great things about those three topics is that I can speak about all of them in one lesson, right? So for example, for, um, for eBay, eBay, um, hired me to speak and that's what I did. I talked about unconscious bias, which I rolled into bystander intervention, which I then rolled into courageous conversations. And when we're talking about speakers, if you let me just say this for a second, when you're thinking about what you speak about, 
right? That's an important thing to think about. How do these things work together so that you are not always having to create a new thing? Or I have, you know, one bicycle wheel over here, another bicycle wheel over here. None of them go on the same bicycle, right? So now I got to have 10 bicycles because I have like these 10 different wheels. It's one of the things that I learned early on from my coach when I started speaking, because when I started uh, being a professional speaker, and that happened after I got fired as a lawyer, um, (laughs) um, I had like all these topics, right? Because people say, oh, what do you speak about? Oh, well, I could speak about this, 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 this. I've been practicing law for 24 years in employment law. There's all kinds of stuff I could speak about. And so... Um, I had put it on my website, my very first landing page, and I, I had narrowed it down to like nine things. And my coach Libby Gill at the time, she was like, Kelly, you realize that those nine things, you have to come up with nine different talks. You have to come up with nine different presentations, right? That's just too much. So then I got, I, um, after Um, being coached by Libby, I started being coached by Donna St. Louis. And Donna was like, yeah, we're not doing those nine things. You're going to pick one thing. You're going to pick two things or you're going to pick three things. She was like, but that's all we're doing. And what we did was I had already written the book. She was like, okay, so that has to be one of the topics. So that's when I used to really talk about workplace investigations. I had done the TEDx. She was like, okay, well, there's the other topic. (laughs) And then unconscious bias was really, um, around a lot of the other things that I was talking about. And it actually took me out of the space of being a diversity and inclusion speaker because everybody was like doing diversity inclusion or they were doing culture. And it kind of just separated me a little bit because I was focused really on unconscious bias. And so I think that is part of also being able to um, get on stage and just be in my element because I know those things deep. Right. So this is something I always tell speakers. It's not enough to know things wide. It's you must know them deep. Right. So there's almost any question that you can't ask me that I either don't know the answer or know how to find you the answer. And I think that is part of being um, an effective speaker and being comfortable on stage. I'm sitting here looking like a bobblehead doll because when you were talking about how you had all of these different topics and you were like, I can speak on anything. That was me starting out. I sometimes even have that conversation that comes up in my head where someone said to me, so what, what topics do you speak on? And I said, anything, give me a topic. I'll go research it because I was just that comfortable with presenting. You know, give me any topic. And if it interests me, that was the thing. Yeah. Right? It's like, if it interests me, I'll check it out. Now I'm going, I'm not going to do a presentation on zoology or something like that. That doesn't interest me. And like you said, you need to make sure that all of the bicycle parts fit together on the same bike. All of the wheels and everything fits on this same bike. So figure out what is that topic that essentially you want to be known for. Yeah. Whenever someone hears that topic, they automatically hear your name in the back of their head. Yeah. So whenever I see or hear unconscious bias, I you're one of the names that pops up in my head mm-hmm. and that's what you want. Yeah. And for me, that's what I want. I want effective presentations and effective communication. When you hear those words, you think of Bridget. And for listeners, that's what you want. What yeah. is your jam? What yeah. is your sauce? 
sauce? What is your thing where you could talk about it ad nauseum, where you drive people crazy at dinner parties talking about this particular topic? That's your thing. Then figure out what are all the areas that connect to it directly. And those are your speech topics. Oh, I'm so glad you touched on that. And that's, and you know, what's also interesting too, is that it's not even um, only about like just making sure everything is in that space so that people know you. So like people, if they see anything with bystander, people will send me like, you know, text messages or whatever, you know, so people do know me for that. It's also how you get paid well. Right. They talk about the riches are in the niches. It is how you get paid well. It was how I moved from a four figure speaking fee to a multiple five figure speaking fee in the course of a year. And it's going deep, like you said, too, not just having surface level information, but being able to dive deeply and uh, because that's what they're paying you for. They're paying you for that depth of knowledge that you have, not just the 60 minutes that you're on that. Not what they can find on Google. Hello. Uh, press pause, rewind, and then press play, everybody. They're not paying you for what they can do a desktop search for. They're paying you because you appear to be an expert. I mean, that's when something happens in the news, the media is calling the folks who are the experts on that particular topic. That's what they are doing. And Kelly is the expert in her areas. Kelly Charles Collins has the unique ability to make difficult and sensitive topics more approachable. She is a powerhouse attorney, as you have heard, and an expert on disrupting unconscious bias, bystander intervention, and courageous conversations. Kelly empowers leaders to stay on the right side of the next hashtag movement. She's the author of Conversations Change Things, the perfect framework for courageous conversations, and she is, she is an award-winning TEDx speaker. Kelly is also the founder of Ladies Who Leverage. I love that community. It's a global women's community. And she is the host of her very own podcast, Ladies Who Leverage. She's been featured on ABC, CBS, and she is featured in Forbes as well as Fast Company. She's done a lot and she's just getting started. Rest assured, there's more to come. So tell me, what are you most looking forward to in your speaking pursuits, uh, just in business, in life? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So I started this journey um, into professional speaking probably about three years ago, right? Um, at, at this point, just trying to get out of the practice of law, right? The everyday hustle and bustle. And then in October of 2019, I got fired, right? They said that they could no longer afford to pay me. And at the time I had been planning my transition. So it was a moment that I had to decide, you know, do I retreat? <laughs> Just go back to the comfort of law, right? It's something I've been doing for so long. Or do I step out? And so I decided to step out into the world of professional speaking. And you know, the, the topics that I speak on, obviously, over the past year, you know, 2020 um, and, and still in 2021, have really afforded me opportunities to have some amazing conversations and connections with people. If I had my wish, like if I could do anything, um, and I can, I just got to figure out, the, I just got to reverse engineer it. But what I would really love to do as far as my speaking goes 
is to travel around the country, whether it's virtually or when we can go back out and get my little tour bus and um, and do town halls um, and have these types of conversations around bias, around bystander intervention, around how do you engage in these conversations? Because what I found in doing a bunch of listening sessions is that when it comes to topics, very hard topics, so obviously, you know, talking a lot about racism and police brutality. My son is a victim of police brutality, so it's very personal to me. But in having those types of conversations, what I learned is that there are lots of people who want to engage in these conversations, but do not know how because they're afraid of what to say. They don't know what to say or they're afraid to offend. And as you know, right, effective communication is a skill. It's, a, it's both an art and a skill. Right. And done well can get you through so many things. Right. And it's not about getting people necessarily to agreement in the sense that we agree on the subject. It may come to we agree to disagree, but it's around being able to engage in dialogue. Right. To understand and have context. And so if I could just go have those conversations and facilitate those conversations, that's what I would love to do. Mm. And (laughs) then my heart is in a space where you mentioned ladies who leverage. It's That was my answer to the traditional networking. It was my way to say, women, I am going to create a space for you where you get to come and ask for what you want, And what you need without the fluff, without the BS, we're still going to get to know each other. The community has grown. We have almost 900 members at this point. And it's just an amazing, amazing community. We have women who are entrepreneurs, who are side hustlers, who are in career transition, everything. But such a supportive community where women do come in and they ask for the help that they need and they've grown their businesses and they've grown as people. I mean, we've had people write books that they've been thinking about writing books forever and, you know, developing courses and, you know, having six figure months and just doing all kinds of amazing, amazing things. And so those are the two things that are like driving me. It is it is creating safe spaces for people to have conversations around tough issues and accountability. But it's also about empowering all of these women, right? So my um, in July, my new book comes out. It's Unapologetic AF, 34 Ways to Unleash Your Inner Badass, right? Because I'm always telling the women to unleash your badassery. And so it's just creating these spaces that women know, because I was raised to believe that I can do and be anything. And that is what I want to leave as my legacy for other women. And so that's where my left brain, right, and my right brain come into to play. And so those are the things that I'm, I'm really focused on. It's really outstanding what you do. And like I said, the community, the ladies who leverage community has been incredible. And you're right about it being the space where you ask for what you need. And I know I've made all kinds of connections in there Mm -hmm. and all kinds of conversations and great collaborations that I would not have had the opportunity to, to create were it not for that space. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to connect this to the public speaking world for listeners. If you know you need help with professional speaking, with finding a topic, with getting comfortable in front of an audience, check out social media, check, right. look for groups that offer the kind of support 
for which you are looking, I promise you, they are out there and you don't have to go it alone. No. And you're going to find these groups where these, these people, I was about to say women, but men and women are just ready to answer your questions and ready to support you. And speaking yeah. of answering questions, Kelly, what is one of the most common questions? Oh, and you're going to get a chance to ask me a question a little <laughs> bit later. Let's not nice. forget. What is one of the most common questions you have presented to you, whether it's no matter what it is, right? Whether it's women who leverage, whether it's bias or so on. What's one of the most common or most frequently asked questions? And then what's the answer to that question? Yeah. So I, it's almost like a combination between the speaking and ladies who leverage, right? So a lot of women ask me, how did I practice law full time, uh, write a book, do a TEDx, now run this global community, right? Um, and one of the things that I explain is that I have, I, when I'm clear about something, when I have a very clear vision, I'm unstoppable. So whenever I'm going to do anything, I begin with the end in mind right? What is that vision out there, right? So people talk about vision and sometimes I think they think about what's in front of them, but your vision is what's out there. What is the thing that you're trying to accomplish? And then I'm a master at reverse engineering. So if I see it, once I can see it clearly, I know exactly who I need, what I need to be able to accomplish it, right? And I will go about doing those things until I get to where I need to go. And so I think sometimes we get, um, we, we're afraid and we think, oh my gosh, I could never do all of those things, right? I mean, I worked full-time as a trial lawyer. So I wasn't just somebody like sitting behind a desk. I was in court. I was trying cases and come home at night and writing my book, coming home at night. And my um, TEDx coach was in Japan. And so I used to coach, she used to coach me at night for hours right? Um, to do my TEDx. And so those are just, it, it is about being focused, determined, dedicated to the vision, right? And executing on the vision. Because so, so often we hear people, you know, talk about vision boards and people talk to about manifesting, manifesting them. You can't manifest stuff into the world. You got to do some work right? And that work requires you to have a plan, to have a strategic plan of how you're going to get there and who do you need and what do you need in order to help you get there, right? This is not, the, none of this is a solo sport. I didn't write my book on my own. I wrote the words. I had an editor. I had, you know, somebody design my book cover. I did polls to see which book cover and title they needed. I had my coaches. I, you know, I had lots of people. I wrote an article when I finished my book about all the people, you know, as resources that I use because it does take a village, right? Success. Like I, I believe that what lies beneath my success is me. However, I do realize that I don't, I did not get to be successful by myself. Mm. Yes. Yes. It requires a village, right? It absolutely does. And I love Some of that village you pay for. Yes. Hello. Yes. And <laughs> if I, listeners that pick your brain. I think those are my three <laughs> favorite words 
in the world because you are asking for a person's expertise. Unless you have that relationship where it's cool to just call up, like you and I both have girlfriends and even guy friends and colleagues that we can just call up or text and talk to for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And, but you have that relationship and get advice. But if this is someone that you don't know, at least be willing to offer something to pay for their expertise, because that's, that's, that's a consultation. If they are giving you in those 15, 20, 30 minutes, their expertise that has been created, that has been established over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a matter of respect. And I love what you said about being focused and dedicated and committed and then executing on that vision. Don't talk about it, be about it. I hear people with all these fabulous right. ideas and I get it. You're saying, well, I don't know where to start because I was there. When I got laid off in 2016, Kelly, I was talking with a girlfriend and her husband. Actually, I knew, I knew her through her husband first. I met her husband and got to know him first, but we both worked together on the same team. And then I fell in love with her. I hardly ever say anything to him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So she and I were talking and she says, Bridget, you, you should do professional speaking. She had seen me present nearly three years earlier in June of 2013. And she instantly assumed that it was a side hustle that I had. (laughs) I was doing these presentations for that company and workshops and conferences and webinars and stuff. And so after attending that session at that conference, she just knew that I was jetting off and doing little side gigs. I said, no, I'm, I'm cool with what I got here, right? I'm done with this. So when I got laid off along with her husband and some other people on our team. She said, that's what you need to do. And here's what you, here's how you do it. You know, go purchase your URL. And Kelly, I went and bought BridgetMcGowanHawkins.com. Okay. Went and bought it. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? You know? Right. And, <laughs> right. And so she tells me to, okay, well now you need, you need, uh, you need to build the website. Right. So, you know, use Weebly or Wix or something like that. And I'm not kidding you. I think I bought that URL in in April of 2016. I sat and looked at it for, I don't know, four, five, six weeks. I didn't know what to do. I was frozen. Yeah. I had no idea. I had lost my job. We had a young child. We had bills to pay. I couldn't find another job that I knew that I would love as much as that. And now you're sitting here telling me to build a website. No clue what to do. Okay, but the internet, my friend. That's right. That's my BFF, honey. Google is my BFF. (laughs) And you just search. Do not get stuck. It's okay to get stuck for a second. Right. Even with a presentation, you're trying to figure out what's my topic? What are my key points? What's my big message? What story will I insert? Okay. Yes, you have all of those questions swirling around and you can freeze for a moment have a moment of pity because Lord knows I had moments of pity looking at that pathetic website or the, the URL. Right. I, Kelly, I had no idea what to do. And then creating a speaker one sheet. Oh my goodness. And then trying to get a picture where I didn't look crazy to put right. on. Oh my goodness. And then of course, yeah, years later I had a professional photo shoot and so on. But until then we were working with the iPhone camera. So <laughs> you do what you can. That's right. And you time. work with what you have. But it, but do, do, do something. something. Don't That's sit right. and talk, talk about all these great ideas that you have and then never speak on them, never move on them. Yeah. Just do, it does not have to be perfect. And I want to find something that someone sent me and read 
needed. And it's to funny because I'm listener. a perfectionist. <laughs> oh, oh, like, oh, Kelly, guess what my I line name was? <laughs> my line name was perfectionist when ah, I. That's funny. Yeah, yes, yes. And of course, perfectionist spelled with a K. That's right. what I'm going to say. <laughs> so here it is. This was a, a post on social media that one of my mentees sent me. And I'm so glad she sent it because that means it's sinking in what I'm telling her. Mm -hmm. Whatever you think you can't do, just know that there is someone who is confidently doing it wrong right now. They have no plans at doing it better either. And people are paying them to do it. Please believe in your own excellence as much as they believe in their mediocrity. Hello. So listen, I did, uh, I did, and it's actually on my um, podcast. I did a Facebook live and it was called the audacity of, I can't remember if I called it the audacity of badassery. I think that's what I called it, but I was talking about mediocrity. I was really talking about the audacity of mediocrity as I watched a male lawyer just show up and do whatever he felt like doing and didn't care about, you know, anything. And I was talking about how as women, we, you know, we, we just focus so much on being like the perfect, right? And I, I said, I am a perfectionist. And so I do try, I do do a lot of stuff in the background before I put stuff out into the world. Um, but, you know, it's funny that, because I did talk about that, the audacity of mediocrity, because it, it is it is the thing that allows people who are less talented than you, who have less skill than you, um, to be ahead of you, right? And to be getting paid what you think that you should be getting paid because meanwhile, right? Like me sometimes, I'm back here like, oh, I'm, you know, Santa's helper trying to get everything together, <laughs> make it look all nice um, before I put it out into the world. Um, so I think that that's a really important um, thing for people to think about in terms of, you know, just getting out there and doing it now. And it's interesting, um, Bridget, because, you know, people say fake it until you make it. I don't believe in that. Right. I, I just do not believe in that. But I do believe in getting started. And one of the you know, one of the 34 ways that I talk about in my book is sit, don't stay. And what I'm talking about is sit in whatever it is that you're, you know, that you have to acknowledge if it's a, a loss or if you have to acknowledge, you know, something that really great happened to you. But when those things happen, we like to either wallow so, you know, we can have misery loves company or we're so high on whatever happened. We want to stay there, but we can't. Right. You have to move forward. You can't stay there. You have to move forward. So, yeah, we just got to you just got to start. And sometimes you start and it's this book is like the fourth revision. I sent the book to an editor and said, okay, send that back. Like, that's not the book. Send it back. You know, Ladies Who Leverage didn't start as Ladies Who Leverage. It started as Sisters-in-Law Retreat. And when women pushed back, I was just like, mm, okay, well, that's not it. So we got to do something else. So, you know, you will live and learn, but you got to keep moving. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I... I talked about BridgetMcGowanHawkins.com. That's the initial URL that I purchased and everything. Now, professionally, I go by Bridget McGowan. And that was because it's easier for people to say, okay, it takes off a couple of the syllables. It's a little bit easier to remember. Yeah. Kelly Charles <laughs> Collins, I know. <laughs> it's 
easier for people to remember. And uh, people know Bridget McGowan. They don't know a Bridget Hawkins, right? And so I was just trying to make it easier. But uh, has my my business and undergone uh, renovations, if you will, are things different now than they were when I started the speaking business? I've been speaking for much longer, but the actual business of speaking, has that changed since 2016? You bet. And the same thing with the the book situation. I, I, I published Real Talk back in 2019 and it's won an award and that's fantastic but I keep thinking I even have a real talk 2.0 file that I started I don't even think three or four months after the book was published Mm. and like you said sit but don't stay okay sometimes you have a tough day a tough moment a tough presentation you're like oh my gosh how awful was that I could have done so much better well listen it's water under the bridge Wallow in that. Redo it. So hello, it's it's done, and wallow in that. Have the self pity, cry, lean on a shoulder. But as long as you learn, lean on the shoulder and have your moment. But then learn and keep moving. That's right. I cannot say that enough. And yes, some people it may take a little bit longer before you get back moving. That's cool. As long as you keep moving. Kelly, it's time for you to ask me a question. What's your question? What do you have for me? Oh, what do I have for you? Well, I'm going to just go to something that's um, fun and personal, right? Okay. So you said that you pledged that you're in a sorority. What sorority are you in? Alpha Kappa Alpha. Okay. So I'm a Zeta. So what was it? Um, why did you join a sorority? Okay, so it was a different circumstance. And as you can imagine, being a pledge E yourself, you know what that means. I did grad school. Mm. In undergrad, I had to stay 100% focused on getting that degree. I just had to. And I worked two jobs while I was in college as well, while taking, uh, you know, a full load, 15 hours every semester, with the exception of my first semester in college, where I took only 12 because I had no idea what I was doing, right? (laughs) So, and I went to summer school every year because I had to get out of there on time in four years. So uh, doing too much extracurricular was not my jam because I had to stay focused on that price. So I did grad school. And uh, of course, an invitation was extended to me. And I thought, well, how can I turn this down? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, pretty girls wear 20 pearls. What can I say? I mean, I'll listen to you. <laughs> do I even have to answer the question of why? I mean, that... <laughs> give me a break why why not okay (laughs) no you know I I just think it's interesting because um so when I when I pledged I was 17 yeah oh yeah because you were in college at 16 oh my goodness yeah so I was 17 when, when I pledged and we actually started our chapter right and I was number one on the line and it's interesting because in and I'm sure you have this too. And I think it helps us just in our, in our speaking and on all of that. But those women that were online with me are my sisters for life. Right. And I think that when we're talking, cause I want to bring this back to speaking for a little bit for you, but I think when you're talking about, you know, speaking, like who are those people that are just with you? Right. Who are those people that are your squad? And when and when I say that they're with you, I don't mean necessarily that they're your yes people. Right. 
But those are the people who will say to you yes when they should say yes, no when they need to say no, and jack you up when they have to, right? And so when I think about, you know, the sorority, our sorority life, and um, I have not been um, active in my sorority, um, but when I think about just what that means, and I and I look at it in terms of, you know, my speaking career and the people who were around me. So we talk about village, right? And that's why I asked you, you know, why you joined, not necessarily why you joined AKA, but what was it about the sorority? It was about the community, right, to me. And, and, and as we're doing our jobs, right, whatever our job is, um, and, and, you know, as we're talking about professional speakers, it is not something that you can do alone. Right. It's not something you can do alone. And I love what the organization stands for. Mm-hmm. I love the women who are in it. They, they embody yes. the characteristics and the personalities that I think are just, just top notch, just stellar. And so I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to learn more of how yeah. to be like <laughs> that in life. And then now on stages. Yeah. And I like how you said you need people around you who are around you who are going to say yes, those who are going to say no, and those who are going to jack you up. And the That's same right. thing goes for the presentations. You need those who are going to say, yes, that was a great job. Even if it was total crap, right. <laughs> you need those around you who are going to say, no, nah, I don't know, not so much. And then you need those around you who are going to just be straight up with you. Okay. Right. Hey, that was, that was horrible but also tell you what to, you That's need to right. do differently, okay? Don't, don't stick around those people who are just naysayers, who are just negative, who just never have anything positive to say. And, and, and then they're not able to also offer, like follow up with That's something right. that is going to support you and help you be better. There's, it, it's one thing about knocking somebody down. It's another thing to knock them down and then also show them how to stand up even taller. That's right. Yeah, and I call it loving feedback. There you have it. There you have it. <laughs> Kelly, anything else the audience needs to hear from you today? No, just thank you for um, having me on your podcast. And, you know, if you're going to be a professional speaker, remember that this is a speaking business, right? So just like any other business, (laughs) you need to be about your business. (laughs) Yes. Don't treat it like a hobby because uh, people don't get paid for those hobbies. Right. Right. And, and, and we can certainly have those conversations about how much do you charge to speak and do you ever waive your fee? And in what instances do you waive your fee? And, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. You can have instances where maybe you're not getting an actual check, but you are getting paid in other ways that are of value to your business. Right. Maybe people are buying X number of copies of your book. Maybe they are making introductions. Maybe they are providing you with ad space. We could go on down the line in terms of other ways that you can get paid for your expertise. Yes. Okay. Great point. Absolutely. Kelly Charles Collins, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so very much. You're so welcome. I really appreciate you having me. And I appreciate you as well as the listeners. Until next time, everybody, make sure you always own the microphone. Mm-hmm.